This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is Captain Jeff. Welcome to the 215th episode of The Real Guy Podcast, and the first podcast for 2023. On today's podcast, we wanted to talk about the exploitation of high school and college sports. There's no better example for it than down here in South Florida, as high school athletics flourish. But at what cost? And is it really good for the youth? Better Duck this week from the Better Canes podcast joins us to discuss and debate the issue. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. Welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. This week on the podcast, I have special guest, Better Duck, from the Better Canes Podcast as of last year. Better Duck's kind of an expert on sports and football, and I thought I'd like to have him in the studio this week because the big national championship just happened. And football's happening, and I'm going through my football withdraw- withdrawals. Better Duck, thanks for coming in the Lunker Duck Studios. Proud to be on the Real Guy Podcast. <laughs> That's right. The Real Guy Podcast going on its fourth year, 2023. We're going to bang out another 50 or 60 podcasts this year, and you are going to be number one. Nice. First of the year. Yep. Breaking and solid. That's right. First of all, sorry about the Canes this year. Yeah, it was tough. I have never seen, and I've been a Canes fan a long time, I've seen some low points, but Middle Tennessee had to have been the lowest point that I've ever seen the Canes in the history of me following the Canes, which is about 22 years. That was pretty bad. The Middle Tennessee thing, there was an element to the game, a factor that the media didn't really focus on or anything, but their coach, I forget his name now. But he was a quarterback for Florida State. And he lost on the last play of the game in 1981. (laughs) And I think that built up a lot of um, motivation for him. I think he was much more motivated to get revenge than the Miami players and Coach Cristobal, who probably didn't even know that that was a factor. A thing. Yeah, I mean, that he was a disgruntled ex-Seminole quarterback that lost on the last play of the game. (laughs) That's going deep. That's deep, deep into football. Do you go through um, a withdrawal period after the season? Uh, yeah, my withdrawal happens actually after the regular season. Right. That's like my first phase. 
I'm fine on weekends. What really messes me up is during the week when I'm used to Monday night football, Thursday night football, and Thursday night college, and even those like Wednesday night Mac games. Right. Because it's not that the games are great. It's not that I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. Like, you know, the games, for the most part, the games during the week are pretty sorry, but it's something to do. Because now I'm like, okay, now I have to find something to watch. The alternative. From 8 to midnight or whatever. You know, from 7.30 to 11.30. Now what am I going to do? Right. So that's my big thing is the alternative. Like going through my football withdrawals as the games start to diminish at the end of the college season. Even high school, you know, less and less games. And I start to feel it. And then I start looking for the alternative. And that really sucks. Big time. Really sucks. So I'm down to... I'll watch NBA a little bit. My kid likes NBA. I watch Wicked Tuna. I've been on like I think they're in ten seasons or whatever. I watched every episode, all ten seasons, north and south, two different series. I get through that. But the Wicked Tuna stuff doesn't happen to like the end of February. Right. The new stuff, yeah. Right. So I got, I got to look forward to Wicked Tuna, which isn't exactly the best alternative, but it is a alternative because I really don't have that much to choose from. Yeah, my thing, I'm not really into cable television, so I'll have to start um, lining up movies to watch. And I try to watch a thousand movies a year. A thousand movies a year. A thousand a year. Three a day. <laughs> so in 2022, I did just over 700 so i was 300 shy and i blame most of that on football so what i have to do is you know like late november whenever when it's when it's over and you only get you know playoff games super bowl and one-offs you really got to dig deep and come up with a plan to get your movies in right i so like envy the people that are other that like network television they're just pacified by putting on NBC at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, and watching that stuff for a couple hours, and then they go to bed at like 10.30 or 11. But my lifestyle is different. Like, I kind of get going like at 9 or 10 at night, so I need at least two movies after that. There's Occasionally I watch programmed television, but for the most part, it's curated movies. I watch one programmed show shark tank which you turned me on to i don't know how many years ago it was and i can get through a few shark tanks i like to have them on my dvr get get a couple three in and then move on but that's kind of like the only network show i get to that i you know will watch yeah yeah a lot of the networks like i just don't relate like i don't relate to a 110 pound chick who's the police chief that's killing people or, no, you mean scripted dramas. Right. Yeah, okay. I yeah. just can't. I can't. Now, the wife, she's all over that. Procedurals. Right. And, you know, as long as she's got an alternative, it's not my alternative to football. But they've, they, go ahead. They've got the females really dialed in. Like, everybody knows the female likes the domestic murder story. True. It true, is True. The true domestic murder story that's like on A&E and Discovery and those things where they show the perfect couple that were living the perfect life in a cul-de-sac neighborhood. And then one of them kills the other. And when, when the women cannot stop watching that stuff. 
Right. You know? Right. For some reason, it's just dialed in. And they're dialed into those gossipy housewife reality shows because women are hardwired for gossip. So while men sit back and they're like, this is absolutely stupid. Like these people are clowns. The women look like clowns <laughs> with the makeup and the plastic surgery and everything. But girls, it goes right over their head. They're looking at their purses. They're looking at their earrings, shoes, shoes, and the, the way the gossip develops and find, you know, and having a hero and a antagonist. And then that's what they're talking to their friends about. Correct. Like we talk about football players, right. fishermen, that type of thing. And they're talking about the shoes that some girl was wearing yep. on one of those shows. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, girls are big into football nowadays. Yeah. I think they've always kind of been big into football. But now the advertisers cater to them a heck of a lot more. Actually, more they think, I think now to them than they do to men. Oh, of course. Yeah. And um, well, that wasn't always the case. No, but it took the advertisers long enough to figure out that women are in charge of the home. Right. And while man thinks he's in charge of the home and maybe the man is the breadwinner, maybe they're 50-50, maybe she's the breadwinner. Ultimately, like most of the time, the women's making the call on whether you're having people over to watch the game, whether you're not having people over to watch the game. Where you're ordering pizza from. Right. Right. All that stuff. Well, the real reason I wanted to get you in here, you know, I grew up loving football. Football was my thing. I played in high school. I played in college. And I uh, even played a little bit of semi-pro for a few years. And I always thought, like, just being on the team was great for any type of, say, teenager or any for them to develop themselves, to become a mature, good, responsible person. And I always thought football was a great tool for that. But what's going on here in Broward County, especially Broward, Dade County, that's not happening anymore. And the reason it's not happening anymore is because these high schools are now more like universities. So the kids that live here on the east side of Fort Lauderdale, Broward County, for instance, you got to make a choice whether or not you're even going to play football or not. And to play for a team like St. Thomas Aquinas or Cardinal Gibbons or one of these teams isn't a realistic goal for the average kid that just wants to be play some high school football. I mean, it's unfair that the kids that live here don't have, let's just say, the opportunity to actually get on a decent football team. And you get two choices. You got teams like St. Thomas Aquinas, or you got teams like Fort Lauderdale High School. And they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. And it drives me crazy to think that kids grow up now and say, well, football's not for me. Because of the way the high school teams are recruiting players. And it's just unfair. And it doesn't seem like that team unity or that experience that young men will go through by being on a team is there for the taking anymore. Yeah, because probably about 15 years ago, it became all about let's you know not everybody that listens to this podcast is from Broward or Dade County but they probably know that Broward County produces the most NFL talent even more than Dade right and the three high schools here the big powerhouses being or four would be um St. Thomas Aquinas where you played 
Cardinal Gibbons, where your daughter now goes. American Heritage, where I went and got thrown out. Now, when you went, did they even have a football team? No, there were only like eight kids in the class. When I went to American Heritage, it was the most expensive day school in Florida. (laughs) It was really um, exclusive. Most of the kids were dropped off by chauffeur. You were allowed to smoke. They gave us the day off after John Lennon the Beatle got shot. <laughs> like, it's just too much, kids. Just so everyone, like, let's just call it. And But now American Heritage is a full-blown football academy, a football program. Right. I don't know how there were like 60 students in the school when I went there. There's probably 1,500 now. You know, and it's all the way out west. And even it's sad to even say it, but like, oh, yeah, remember you got to include Dillard. You know what I mean? Because Dillard used to be the benchmark. Dillard and St. Thomas. Right. And then, you know, the private schools through recruiting and kids moving into the district and some under-the-table stuff, Dillard's now coming back and producing some NFL talent. But, like, if you watched the uh, national championship game the other night, the running back from Georgia, he's from Gibbons. Right. McIntosh. No, it goes on and on and on. So those schools... It's only it's addictive for the um, athletic directors and the head coaches to pursue that excellence, but it's a different form of excellence than George Smith did. Because now, former Hurricane, former Dolphin, Tuan Russell is the athletic director at St. Thomas, and obviously he's a super competitive person, right? Always has been. He's always been very smart and everything, but it's he wants to maintain that St. Thomas is the number one football high school in the country. And to do that, you can't do old-style football and be like every kid that dresses out plays. Right. Because then somebody's going to give up a touchdown, God forbid, or, you know, you don't stomp somebody by 65 points and they've just lost the amateur aspect of, of the game. And then the recruiting has become so um, connected with every university knowing every kid whereas before you know you had pipelines where a coach had a relationship a high school coach maybe had a relationship with a division 1a program or a few coaches here and there now it's like a giant spider web network where everybody knows every kid has his own little website up on huddle right and <clears throat> there's big business behind it you know one of the things that i don't like and that I'm trying to go against is the recruiting services that exploit high school kids to sell online ads, you know, because they're websites and they're pay sites. Right. If you want to belong to a, a recruiting service, it costs so much money a month. And there's three major ones. There's On3, there's 24-7, and there's Rivals. And I think they're all kind of controlled by the same people. And what they do is they rate these kids in high schools, every high school. They put it out there to coaches. There's no incentive now for the tall, lanky kid that lives on your street to try to put on 10 pounds and become a tight end. The school already has a five-star tight end. Right. The kid's never going to see the field. Right. And that same, are those those recruiters also working for the big high schools? (sighs) Who knows? (laughs) I would imagine so. They're getting the data. They're getting the data. They're sharing data. Right. And they're also 
in business to sensationalize and draw traffic. So if everybody in the country has one kid from California as a five star, the one service that's like, yeah, we think he's a three star and here's why. And you have to click on it and pay a subscription fee to be able to read why they think he's a three star or vice versa. Why another service thinks that a three star is a five star. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. And it's just really taken what you said, the love of football, teamwork, us against the world. Um, right, we can conquer anything as a team type attitude. And it's turned every everybody into like a wide receiver where it's all about me. What are my stats? How many did I catch? Right. So every player like has the T.O. mentality now. Where that used to get you kicked out of the league in the old days. Right. <laughs> or like one or two guys that were so good that you could overlook it, but th that was it. Like, you know, the Dolphins, they didn't let old Don Shula didn't let the Marx brothers print around the field like that. Them guys ran back to the huddle. Right. Right. And, and, and the audience to understand is, you know, uh, teams like St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, you go back 20, 30 years ago, it's not like they weren't winning national championships and state championships and all that. They were doing that back then with the local talent that we had here in basically Broward County. And the way it would work is if you were a really good athlete at one of the high schools, often your football coach would tell you you needed to be at St. Thomas Aquinas. And then if you had the right connections and you had decent grades and you had the money, you could go to St. Thomas Aquinas. One of the things that I heard from my daughter um, this year, just recently, which totally freaked me out, was some of the athletes on the football team get discounts as scholarships to go to a, a school like Cardinal Gibbons. And now that it's the second semester, football season's over, they're actually transferring out of Cardinal Gibbons to go back to the public school to save the thousands of dollars that they would have had to spend on staying the last few semesters at Cardinal Gibbons to graduate. What's your take on that? Well, this isn't going to be a popular one. I know that. I know how a lot of people feel about paying college kids to play football. But with the recruiting services and the universities and the media in general exploiting these unpaid kids, these kids aren't compensated. If your kid is the number one quarterback in Broward County and he's all over these websites and people are paying subscription fees to read articles about him, he should be also being compensated. They eliminated that in college. That's what name, image, likeness means. Right. Now the kids, it's even greasier because these weirdos with binoculars standing outside of high school football practices are raiding high school kids. Right. For money. Generating ad revenue and not giving anything back. So in a perfect world or whatever, the kids from Cardinal Gibbons wouldn't have to go back to a public school, you know, there would be a mechanism in place to be like, oh, yeah, we've exploited you now. 
You're now being recruited by Notre Dame, Colorado, Alabama, and USC, but you can't afford to still go to the high school that put you on the map? You have to take a step back and go back to your neighborhood high school? That's a broken system, and it's only a matter of time before it gets worse. Well, yeah, it is a broken system, and it is getting worse, and it's getting worse fast, but the parents were willing to pay whatever they had to pay until football season at their senior year was ended. Or, and then they weren't willing to pay the last two semesters, or couldn't, but I would say willing, to pay the last two semesters for the kid to graduate of a better high school than, say, uh, Fort Lauderdale High School or Dillard or something, or Ely or something like that. I mean, every case is different. Every, you know, there's different scenarios for each student or whatever, but I'm sure there's some booster involvement too. I imagine so. I can imagine how greasy that is. Like the booster just being like, yeah, thanks for playing this year. Now I got three months of school left. Now you don't. You think it's that harsh? You think it's that nasty? I hope it's not. But it could be. But it could be. It was in the NCAA. It's definitely that nasty in the NCAA. Well, it, it bothers me, and it bothers me bad. And then I know that more people are getting not only taken advantage of, but are disgruntled by the way the whole system works. I know a family that had a superstar quarterback kid that lived out like northwest Florida. They moved all the way to Fort Lauderdale so the kid could play at St. Thomas Aquinas. And then the kid never played because he couldn't make the field. And they didn't reach out to St. Thomas Aquinas and say, hey, can we come? Somebody reached out to them and asked them if they wanted to be there. And that's where it really, like, stings. It's like, can't you take, like you said, the player, develop him, and make a winner out of the team, accomplish all your goals without the exploitation, without all the recruiting? They don't don't see it. They don't care. Right, they don't care. All the cares is, wow, we're going to get this running back. We're going to get this quarterback. I don't think the parents care much anymore either. Until it happens to them. Let's take take an example. There's a current number two player in the country. I'm not going to name him because I'm not going to be a hypocrite and use the kid's name, image, and likeness (laughs) without giving him anything back. But he's a cornerback. He's the number two recruit in the country, the number one defensive player in the country. And he was, I think, verbally committed to the University of Miami, which doesn't mean anything, a verbal commit. And you're also talking about a 17-year-old kid. Right. Okay, well, now he, this is all speculation, but it's believed that he's being recruited by Deion Sanders, who's the new head coach at Colorado. Deion Sanders' common-law wife is Tracy Edmonds, an executive producer from Hollywood, who produced um, BET's College Hill and not Prime, but uh, Coach Sanders, another reality show. And basically what we've deduced is reality show cameras are following this kid around, at least to the events. Like they had just had an all-star game and the kid can't talk and he can't say what he wants to do with his future. All the other college kids have all committed to what college they're going to go to, except this kid's non-committal. And he's going to commit on January 15th, which is like the first day that you can sign up for like financial 
stuff. It's not even a real commit because you can't commit until February 1. But all, all this nonsense, what's at play here is a kid from Lakeland, Florida, who is being represented by his mom. That's entering into business with Deion Sanders and his reality show executive producer wife, who are represented by the biggest agents and lawyers in Hollywood. Right. And they're sitting down, and that is not an even playing field. Right. So whether Dion or whoever people from the University of Colorado are making promises and this and that, it's not, they don't have equal representation across the table. The kid's being represented by his mom, who all she has is her heart and wants to see her son do well. Right. And Dion is making the recruitment process into entertainment, into um, entertainment that's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's being produced by Michael Strahan. So now the kid that's thinking about playing for Dion actually is also maybe thinking that he's going to get a deal to be a superstar on TV. Right. Right. Now, Dion did the reality show when he coached at Jackson State. Is that correct? Right. How did that go? Well, like any reality show, they're calling it a documentary. I'm calling it a reality show because it's not really like the cameras are following him. Do you know the name of it? Prime. Prime. And it was a reality show on Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime. Okay. Right. Prime for like prime time. I think so. Okay. And then last week they had the big um moment was they filmed one of the kids being thrown off the team in front of the you know, eighty five other players. The kid is a uh South Florida kid from Southridge High School in South Miami. He was a former five-star. It hasn't worked out. So it's been tough for him. And he transferred from the University of Miami to Jackson State. And it didn't really work out there either. But for with television cameras rolling, Coach Sanders singled the kid out and then had the rest of the team vote by standing up or sitting down whether to give him another chance or throw him off the team. This is all to make money for Amazon's prime shareholders. <laughs> this is now so far removed from college football. And are the kids on Jackson State getting paid for this? Not, if they are, they're not getting paid enough. I mean, I haven't heard that they're receiving compensation. But even if they are, how much is it worth to get embarrassed like that and thrown off the team with cameras rolling? If you've ever been fired for a job, fired from a job or kicked off anything else or asked not to come back or dumped by a girl, now how would you like it if it was streamed and a million people watched it? Right. I mean, that was just low class. Right. That's just bottom of the earth. Like, every, like I always compare everything to the NCAA because I think NCAA is pretty much like the last slave trade, it, you know, around. Except now the kids, like you said, can get paid for their image and likeness and some of them are starting to get paid and all that kind of stuff. But just when you think it can't get any slimier, it gets slimier with athletics and especially football. Oh, yeah. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. Because those Amazon Prime's probably trying to get five more of those shows. Right. They have to keep feeding the monkey. You know, they have to keep... And they will film anything. They will film anything. And do anything. anything. Right. And if anybody doesn't believe that, look what reality TV has done in the last 30 years. Right. Now, Lamont, give the audience a little bit of uh, your history with reality TV. 
So I've now done reality TV for about a little over 20 years from the inception when it was strictly um, documentary style where like the real world where you weren't allowed to uh, tell the subjects what to do or put them in situations. You just followed them. And then it started to change, of course, with MTV and VH1. I went from doing, I did a show in 2005. You remember that, the tattoo show, Miami Inc. Right. Which was a show about artists and the process of tattooing. And at the very earliest, we used to show the guy sketching and drawing out the original tattoos that were all big time um, tattoos for the clients. They weren't doing small little stuff. So each tattoo had a, a story behind it. And we kind of fleshed out that story. Well, about midway through, the TLC network brought in a producer from Jerry Springer, a hit producer, who wanted all of it to be crazy, because that's the world he came from. Over-the-top stuff. Over-the-top stuff. The lady, was, the lady that saw Jesus in a piece of toast was going to get <laughs> a piece of toast. <laughs> the 600-pound lady who has her own website where guys paid to watch her try on lingerie. And I was. And these people are getting tattoos. And these people are getting tattoos (coughs) because that um, that's how television works. You needed the train wreck. It wasn't enough to be like, oh wow, this guy's getting a portrait of his grandmother, and there not being any drama there. It had to be, oh, he's getting a portrait of his grandmother, who's really his grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And then after that, after. Then it just became full on. After Miami Inc., I did a few other series, and the next big series would be um, Basketball Wives. Oh, you did Basketball Wives. Right, which was really, none of them were really married to NBA players. It was produced again by Shawnee O'Neal, which is Shaq's ex-wife. Okay. He cut her a huge check. She wanted to be in TV, wanted to produce TV shows, so she got a few of her gorgeous friends... And we just followed the drama, and there was plenty of drama. <laughs> and basketball wives. And basketball wives. All right. And then, you know, after that came, um, well, before that was Jersey Shore. I didn't work on that, but you know the deal. Like, get a bunch of kids in a hot tub, get them drunk, and let's see what happens. Camera's rolling. <laughs> and it's just, these are all adults. Right. Yeah, I mean, the kids from Miami, Inc., they were 30 years old when the show started. The basketball wives, those girls were in their late 20s, isn't it? The problem with what's going on now is these are high school kids that are being exploited. Exactly. By universities. <laughs> right. Universities, Hollywood, anybody else that can get a piece is like, going to take a piece. Jackson State should have been embarrassed what happened to that kid last week. Right. Getting fired like that. Second of all, the University of Colorado should be embarrassed and should have came out and been like, you know, we stand behind Coach Sanders, but that's not going to happen here. Our players are going to get kicked off the team with cameras rolling for a TV show. You know, that's trash. Nobody does that. You know what I mean? You wouldn't even punish your daughter in front of me. You know what I mean? You wait until people leave and then you do stuff in private. Right. But Deion Sanders, he's never been like that. You know, he's that's his life. He's gregarious and flamboyant and over the top and in your face. And they've been in his face since he was in high school. Since he was in high school. But that was a that was a, not the normal. That was really rare. He was one of the freaks 
in high school, college, and pros. He played baseball and football. He was used to it. He was called prime time right, for right. crying out loud. And now prime time's taking advantage of teenage kids. And expecting them to be him. That's harsh. That's really harsh. He, I have a funny Dion story right now. You remember our friend Chris growing up? He was the... What is it? Spring training bat boy for the Yankees. I remember Chris. Yeah. When the Yankees were spring training in Fort Lauderdale at Yankee Stadium. So we were all there watching batting practice, hanging around, hanging around the players and everything. And that's the Yankees drafted Dion. Right. So Dion comes up to that gravel parking lot there in Lockhart, same stadium, Lockhart Stadium, and a brand new big body BMW white, white on white. <laughs> and pulls up, and all the other players, you know, baseball is a lot more tight-lipped than football and other sports. Like baseball players, you do it the right way. There's all that nonsense. It's still going on now. You don't flip the bat. You don't stare at your home run. Right, they got an etiquette. And if you're a rookie or whatever, you don't drive up in a $100,000 car back then. <laughs> so the players went out, and I guess they had screwdrivers and stuff. They keyed every inch of his car. It looked like modern art, you know, actually. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> like they keyed all four corners of the car, the hood, the roof, and the trunk. And when we're all watching, like, when, let's, what's he going to do? What's Dion going to do? And he walked out, opened the door, got in it, and drove off, kicking up gravel. And the next day, he came back with a brand new one. <laughs> in Dion's fashion. And never said a word. Really? Didn't say nothing. Just, like, had that smirk on his face, like... Like, you guys are never going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was never a Dion fan. I mean, he went to FSU for crying out loud. And then um, he played for San Fran. And, you know, back then it was San Fran against Dallas all the time. There's no way I could be a Dion fan. And then we got him. Yeah. And then we won a Super Bowl with him. Yeah. So then I was a Dion fan. I am not a Dion fan anymore. No. I'm not a fan of the NCAA anymore. And I'm not a fan of Broward County football. Even though I grew up in Broward County football and I believed it and loved it for so long. The other big problem I have with Broward County football is, all right, we have the, say, four out of the top ten teams in the country that are right here in Broward County. And those teams are playing other public schools with the worst programs. Yeah. And these kids at public schools have to play them? Yeah. They should never, ever play a public school. Right. A team like, especially Westminster, but St. Thomas Aquinas or Cardinal Gibbons or Pinecrest or any of these private schools that spend big money and big time on recruiting players playing other public schools that don't have the program to even hardly get a team together. If you take... Like Hard Rock Stadium as your center point on a map. And you use like a mile out in circles, five miles out, 10 miles out, 20 miles out. You've got St. Thomas, they're number one. I think it was just 2019, they had four players in the Super Bowl. Right. Most high schools never have a player play in the Super Bowl. Right. If they did, they sure as hell never had two in the same game. St. Thomas has got four. Oh, and American Heritage had one in the same Super Bowl. So that's five kids in a three-mile radius. Right. 
Now, if you do include Gibbons, which is, well, I don't know, what's Gibbons from St. Thomas? Another eight miles? Call it seven. Seven miles. You've got Gibbons. Now you go a little bit south, and you've got Northwestern High School. Right. And then you've got Miami Central. Right. That's like half the NFL. It's like half the NFL. <laughs> that's whatever. Out of the top ten teams in the country are all right here. And even this year in the NFL, at the beginning of the year, there was three quarterbacks starting in the NFL that were in the driving distance from my house. We had Geno. Lamar. Lamar. Mike and, White from and, the Jets. Oh, we had four. And Bridgewater. And Bridgewater, four. Four quarterbacks. Within a 20-mile radius of my house, played in the NFL this year. Started. Starting. Right. Quarterbacks. Right. Do you think that's a direct result from what we're seeing now? Because it's not. Those guys are old. But those guys were the best guys that were down here. They didn't get recruited from northern Florida or a different state to come over here and play for one of those high schools. At least not to my knowledge. No. Right, they were local kids. Yeah, Lamar was pumping out. Right. So every time they tell a kid to come from someplace else, it's taken a Teddy Bridgewater or a Gino or somebody taking their place so they can play somebody else, even though we produced all those great athletes. See, at this point, it's just exploitation on top of exploitation for people to get paid, like you said. Not even for the good of the sport, the good of the team, or the good of the players. It's about making money. The NCAA was always about making money, and now Broward County, Dade County football is about making money. It's sad, but it's true. Get to the league. Get to the league. I sat at a St. Tom's game a couple, four years ago, and we're watching a friend of mine's kid. The kid's 6'2". Good speed. He's playing college football now. Never played it down at St. Thomas Aquinas. Is that good for the kid? No. It's horrible. Is that good for the parents? No. Now explain to me why it's good for St. Thomas Aquinas. For money? Exposure and bragging rights. And And that's worth it. Yeah, because they've probably dealt with him... Dealt with it in their mind because St. Thomas is good at other sports, too. Very good now. They take every every sport seriously. Swimming, girls volleyball, all that stuff. But that level of exploitation isn't really doing that in the other sports. So they rationalize it on out and turn a blind eye to where the football is so exploitive. Baseball and soccer are getting there. Right behind. I know kids... That have foreigners that have moved here to play soccer at some of these high schools. You know, and they were invited and recruited by these these schools. So it's not quite as bad as football, but it's starting to happen in the other sports too. The only reason I even know this is because my kid's in high school right yeah. now. So I hear the kids talk. You know what I mean? And I found out, who's this kid? What does he do? Where did he come from? And they tell me. Back when I was in high school at Fort Lauderdale High, probably the mid-80s. The coach, Coach Nelson, was also the Olympic swim coach. The high school swim coach was also the Olympic swim coach. 
So he had a big house with a cottage and probably three or four girls living at his house, getting up at 4 a.m., going to the Hall of Fame, swimming for two hours, then going to high school, you know, doing your whatever eight-hour high school thing, and then swimming for the team afterwards. And they just went and dusted, curbed all the other high schools, (laughs) Westminster, Pinecrest, that had good swimming teams. But these are girls that were on the Olympic team that were, like, setting world records, that were, like, beating West Germany. And now you're asking other little kids, other little girls in bathing suits to swim against these girls that were six foot and six foot one with, you know, three foot wide shoulders. (laughs) But there's really no money there. So that was a unique situation because the coach was also lived in Fort Lauderdale, blah, 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 blah. But these high schools are trying to get that type of advantage in football. And like you said, just ruining it at the community level. Yeah, at what expense does the community pay for St. Thomas operating as a farm league? Right, right. When, you, when your friends, your contemporaries are like, yeah, my son's got no shot to play. Right. But we went to St. Anthony's Day School. All of his or her friends are all going to St. Thomas. He wants to play football, but he'll never get off the pine unless it's 70 to nothing and he gets in for two plays at the end of the game. Right. And these kids know that up front. So what do they do? They never try out for the team right. in the first they place. They just go to the school. Right. In sports like lacrosse, hockey, are exploding. In these club leagues, these and these parents are willing to play, pay crazy money for them to be in these club leagues to get that experience that they should be getting with the good old-fashioned football. And they should be able to compete on a level here in South Florida – and a level that is number one, always has been number one, and we don't need the recruiting and all that stuff in order to be that way. Right. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. I mean, my kid going through high school, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching the kids, and I'm seeing the stories, and kid that I went to college with has three boys that went through the system at Cardinal Gibbons. Kids that I graduated high school with have put their kids through the system at St. Thomas. So I really know, I'm really in tune with what's going on. Yeah. And um, I just felt compelled to do a podcast about it because I don't think most people realize, and I think a lot of people that are for it are so caught up in being good and, and calling themselves winners that they don't mind seeing the generation lose. Does that make sense? Yeah, because they'll overlook the flaws as long as they're winning. People do that in life. People do that for money. (laughs) For doing money, they do it for everything. It's just exasperating when it's at the high school level, when it's young people that are the currency. Right. They're the ones that are being exploited for this, you know, for the alumni of the school for the board of directors of the school to be like, yep, we did it again. We're number one, number one in the country. Now I'm going to have people that listen to the podcast that are alumni from these schools and had kids go to school down here. And some of them are going to like not take this in the same scope that I'm taking it. They're probably actually going to get upset that we brought it up and that we're actually talking about it. But I think it's important. This isn't about competition. 
Right. There's always St. Thomas was always better than everybody else. But like you said, when when local neighborhood kids had a chance to be on the team, and the reason why St. Thomas was winning was because they had their shit together more so than the other schools, and maybe they had a couple kids that were, you know, Division One A, like the big time college things, a couple here and there. Now, like St. Thomas signs like fifty plus Division One A scholarships. I know. So, of course, that breeds on itself. I know. And the kids are Instagramming and TikToking about it, and it's instantaneous. Everybody knows about it. They know about which kid's getting recruited for what, any type of perks that he may have gotten. The kids also do that amongst themselves on who gets into what college and who didn't. Yeah. And it's like this huge social battle online with the kids and that's what they're talking about. I'm encouraging Victoria. I want her to do her own podcast. I want her to call it Victoria's Friggin' um, Closet or something like that. Because a lot of the information I get about the kids come from the kids. Right. And she can explain it better than anybody. She's my go-to when I want to know what's going on with the kids. She's really good at it. Anyway, thanks for coming in. Is there anything that um, I didn't hit on or something that you wanted to say about high school football that... We can get to. No, but let's get in an, uh, a new year report. Like, it's a new year. Guys probably got new combos for Christmas. They got new lures and fishing shirts and stuff. What's going on out there? I mean, I haven't heard about um, anybody getting any new equipment. But social media isn't like it used to be. It was maybe five or six or seven years ago, a guy would get a new combo. The first thing we'd see on the Mullet Run Facebook or whatever would be a picture of that guy's combo. Yeah. Not so much anymore. Guys aren't sporting their combos and sporting their gear. People aren't talking about power knobs like they used to. Things are much more hush-hush now. Now, I saw that Norm is trying to sell his 50 offshore combos. He's done with that? Or is he upgrading? He's upgrading. Okay. Norm's tackle junkie. You think think Norm's going to go through life without a set of 50s? Well, I just didn't know. There was a lot of chatter around there, like Norm's selling all his combos. Well, I'm sure Norm's upgrading. You know Norm's thinking about selling the old uh, Ricky Scarborough. No. He's debating. And that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. The reason I couldn't imagine now about getting rid of something like that is what are you going to get? And then what are you going <laughs> to have to spend to get it? You know what I mean? Like there's nothing out there. That, yeah. that I particularly want or have. But 2023, we're going to do more fly fishing. Okay. Well, we, did more, we did more fly fishing in 2022 than we've done ever. Nice. And people had a good time. A lot of people did a lot of uh, trips and caught their tarpon, their first tarpon. And I had a good time. Therefore, that's definitely happening. So in conclusion, if anybody's been to that new pier in Jacksonville, I heard it's like state-of-the-art pier. We were talking about this with Busaka a few episodes ago. I was talking about, I thought there'd be like new designed piers, like something like a architect would do out of like Dubai or something. So I understand the ja- Jacksonville. The Jacksonville pier. Do you, are you got the details on that? Well, it's not actually, it's not really like Dubai level renovation. But for Jacksonville, it's pretty good. It's long. It's a wide pier. It's a lot wider than ours. 
And I just like I've reached out to a few people that live in the area up there, Jacksonville, St. Augustine area. And I'm like, have you checked out the new uh, Jacksonville Pier? And they're just like, yeah, no, not yet. Nobody. Like, I, I, I dropped the ball on it. I didn't know Jacksonville had a new pier. Yeah. Is that like because the old one got beat down in a storm? Or I think whatever? so. And I think they were just up for a renovation anyway. So they're ready to up their pier. None of the none of the people want to up their piers down this way. No. Pompano kind of half-assed did their pier. But it's free. Like, you can't have a free pier. No. I mean, it shouldn't be expensive to go to the pier, but free? But anyway, Pompano, they made, like, nice for people to hang out and have drinks by the pier. But it's not really for the real guy. You know what I mean? Right. See, I want them to come out like one of these oil rig companies to build a pier that goes out, like, a mile all the way out to the reef. And then you can take your car on the pier, kind of like they fish in that old Skyway Bridge in Tampa. Nice, yeah. And then you can roll out there with full combo. You could sleep out there, all that kind of stuff. But I don't, think, nice. I don't think anybody's going to um, build a pier like that. <laughs> but it's wishful thinking. Anyway, good first podcast. Thanks for coming on, Lamont. Yeah, man. Better Duck from the Better Canes podcast, football expert. At Better Doc on Twitter. Yeah. Follow at- me, we follow back. He's also the the real mullet run? Real mullet run. On Instagram. Mullet run on YouTube. And you guys do know he was the my YouTube producer for fifteen years or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for coming in today and uh, run that dog.